Welcome to Coffee and an Interview. I'm Jacqueline Pena and I'm here today with Lori Seitz, who is the founder and CEO of Zen Rabbit. Hi, Lori. I love that name, Zen Rabbit, by the way. Yes, thank you. Thank you so much for having me, Jacqueline. Well, thank you for joining me. So uh, if, you, if you're if you not viewing us, just listening, Lori's wearing a pink hat. I have my pink coffee mug. I was really excited. I knew that this was going to be a great conversation from the beginning, <laughs> just from that. But uh, Lori, why don't we start with you telling us a little bit about yourself and your company, Zen Rabbit, because it's going to lead into this great conversation on meditation today. Yes, yes. So my company is Zen Rabbit is actually, I jokingly refer to it as Zen Rabbit 2.0 because when I started my first business and that was Zen Rabbit Baking Company. And uh, we were making and, and marketing a product called the Gratitude Cookie. But I shut that business down after 11 years because oh. honestly, I couldn't scale it the way I wanted to. And then I kept, I pivoted and did some other stuff and but everybody still knew me in association with Zen Rabbit. So I couldn't drop the name and I, I didn't really want to, but yeah. So now it's Zen Rabbit 2.0 and, and you used to make cookies. <laughs> yes. Yes. They were based on a family recipe, every food entrepreneur's story, but yeah, so much. <laughs> That's a whole other story. Uh, yeah. So now I have, um, I do a lot of work with primarily women in their forties and fifties, I would say Gen X women, but Gen X doesn't know who they are. So they're always like, who is that? What generation is that? Okay. So <laughs> or Zenials, I'm in between millennial and Gen Xer. I'm okay. Zen- right. Yeah. The, people just don't identify, I guess. And that's okay. But you know, nobody likes, not a lot of people like to be labeled. It's all good. So um, yeah, but they're in this place in their life where they say everything's fine, but it's really not fine. There's really this dumpster fire going on inside them and they don't know what to do about it. They just know that everything is not fine, but you know, you can be afraid because it's fine. What if I step out and it's worse? Mm -hmm. So they stay in this place. So I work with those people uh, through private client and group coaching programs and um, just working my way now into working with some corporate clients on, on some of the similar issues, not exactly the same, but a different twist on, on going in and helping companies with um, building morale with their teams. Mm, we're we're going to get into that because I'm growing my firm from a solopreneurship to a full firm. So that I think is important in the great reset, um, uh, resignation, what we're calling the great <laughs> resignation we're talking about, but this term dumpster fire, I know you brought it up first and, and this idea that we have this and we choose to stay in this state with our dumpster fire, because it's what we know and not move out. I thought, um, I don't know. I, I made a face because I, I, I think a lot of us do that, but I, I find it hard to believe that we would. Well, because it's, it's familiar. So I was going to say it's comfortable. It might not even be comfortable. It might be very uncomfortable, but it's familiar. Mm-hmm. And we are afraid of what's on the other side. We're afraid of the unknown. That's just a human um, that thing that we, you know, as humans, we're afraid of the unknown. So we'll stay oftentimes for years in 
the familiar, even if it's uncomfortable. And when I say fine, a lot of times people are looking at everything they have and from the outside, it looks amazing. And then inside themselves, they're going, well, why can't I be happy with this? I mean, look, and then they start thinking something must be wrong with me that I can't be happy with this. And really what it is, is their soul is not fulfilled. And so they feel this, you know, this sense of yearning, but they don't know what to do about it. Maybe they feel like they don't have a purpose anymore. And um, yeah, they're just, they're just kind of stuck, but we stay stuck in fine because we are afraid of what's on the other side. It might be worse. What if it's worse? A lot, most of the time it's better, but at the same time, I, I have to say this caveat that in-between part where you jump off of fine before you get to what I call fantastic, mm, that can suck really hard. <laughs> I mean, it has to be a lot of hard work and shifting of how we think and how we do things. Exactly. Um, yeah. So I, I can see where we would get stuck there. And I talk to so many people who are struggling with um, passion but, you know, reconnecting or rediscovering mm-hmm. their passion or even knowing what is my passion and purpose, like uh, their lofty purpose. And a lot of people, it's a career thing because we yes. tie ourselves so much to our careers. We are our careers, our jobs. And so when, when, when someone loses a job, it feels like you're losing your purpose, you're off center, but then you kind of enclose yourself in this new dumpster fire in essence. So I, I, I'm, I'm just connecting what you're saying to so many of those conversations I've had with women in the last couple of years. Yeah. It's, it's kind of like, I don't know what my purpose is as if they are expecting their purpose to be delivered to the front door, like an Amazon package. And that's not really how it works. So I know, right. I wish too, but it's more an exploration and being willing to go on that journey and take a couple steps in one direction and see, oh, it, does this feel good? Do I like this place? Oh, if I do, I'll keep going. Take another step, take another step. And if it doesn't feel good or doesn't feel like the right direction to turn and take a, diff- a step in a different direction. You know, Martin Luther King had a quote about not, uh, you don't have to see the whole staircase, just take the first step. Mm. That's how I look at help at, at, finding your purpose. It's kind of that same thing. It's one step and keep taking small steps in a direction. I like and eventually that. it becomes, it, it grows into something. Yeah. I, I, I like that. And I, I can already see that that is part of the not so great place from the jump from the I'm fine mm-hmm. to the fantastic because you you're experimenting you're trying something new here and something new here and and experimenting can be messy it can be hard um, but it, it allows us to discover new things that exploration right and it's not always uh, it's not always fun I mean it can be fun it really depends on your mindset if you look at it as like a fun journey and you know anxiety and excitement in the body feels the same mm. it's just a matter of how do you define it how do you look at it at the same time, personally, I hate being a beginner. I really don't like it. So that's uncomfortable for me. But as you're exploring new things, that's where you are. Mm-hmm. And, and you have, I don't want to say the worst solution, but I can't think of a better way of putting it. But you have uh, a system, uh, I'm going to have to say solution. 
<laughs> yeah, a system, a program. Uh huh. A program, an approach, and it centers around meditation to help us through this process. Do you want to talk? I mean, I think there's a great segue into meditation, the conversation we were having before the podcast recording. Yeah. So my program actually is, uh, has three parts of uh, three pillars. It's what I call the trilogy for success. The first part is gratitude. The second part is connection. And the third part is courage for exactly the reason we were just talking about, because it takes courage to step out. That second piece of connection, of course, is connection with other people. That's what we most commonly think of with family, with friends, with colleagues. However, the connection with yourself is the absolutely most important part of that. And that's where the meditation comes in because it's a matter of getting quiet and hearing that own inner voice. When you, you know, what's true for you, no one else can tell you what's true for you, but we get so caught up in everything that's going on around us and, and paying attention to all of the things that distract us that we don't get quiet and hear that inner voice, which is part of the reason why we're so distraught because I don't know what to do. I feel out of sorts. I, I'm, you know, so much overwhelming chaos going on. And when you can get to that quiet place and tap into your own inner knowing, you find answers. And so this is the meditation. So it's actually a piece of a bigger picture of what you do. Yes. This trilogy, these three pillars and this meditation component where we can connect with ourselves. Um, that's the part that I sometimes think a lot of us struggle with. And we can talk about the other pillars as well, but you know, um, how do you meditate? Where do you meditate? Why should you meditate? What are the benefits? These are the questions I ask myself too, because I see a lot of people talking about meditation and I'm thinking, oh, I don't have time to sit in a dark room on a floor and just go, mm. uh, you know, this, that's one of the thoughts that come to my mind until I learned a little bit more about what meditation was, right? That was the uneducated part of my definition. Um, so tell us a little bit more, like how, how do you approach meditation or how do you teach your clients to approach meditation? Yeah, a little bit unlike a lot of meditation teachers, I don't preach that there's only one way to do it. Mm -hmm. I feel like you, you should do whatever works for you. So if you want to meditate lying down in bed before you get up in the morning, which is actually what I do, or you want to sit, uh, sit up, sit in a chair, sit on the floor cross-legged, I don't care if you use a mat, it doesn't matter. You can stand, you can do, there are walking meditations. So I talk about using whatever method works for you. And then a lot of people, you mentioned sitting quietly with, um, you know, in a dark room, that doesn't work for a lot of people. It didn't work for me. I needed a guided meditation and I prefer my guided meditations to have music behind them. Mm -hmm. And that's not cheating. Like some people think, well, guided is cheating. no. It's all about getting yourself into that space where you can quiet your mind and your breathing and whatever it is that can get you to that place, then use that, you know? So, um, yeah, I actually, I create my own meditations and, uh, I post them, write them, record them and post them as bonus episodes to my podcast. My podcast is called fine is a four letter word. So you can find 
the meditations there. And at the same time, I also use an app called insight timer. And I don't have any, none of my meditations are posted there yet. I haven't even, (laughs) haven't looked into it, but they have a hundred thousand meditations of all different kinds. So some of them are silent. Some of them are just music. Some of them are guided with music underneath them. You can search by, you know, if you want to work on anxiety or sleep or uh, performance or whatever issue you're facing, and you can sort them by time. Like, oh, I only have five minutes or I have half an hour. So I love that app, Insight Timer. Insight, I'm, I'm writing it down. You yeah, can tell it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's really great that I've used it for years. Wow. So this is good because I'm one of those that I like the concept of waking up in the morning, but staying in bed mm-hmm. in that peace and that quiet before I expose myself to the craziness of the world at my calendar. Yes. <laughs> and just, uh, just take a few minutes. <clears throat> And for me personally, that's the best time because you're still kind of in that, the alpha brain waves, which is, um, that state between being awake and being asleep. Okay. So that's a great time to do a meditation. And you, you know, as I said, you mentioned like, again, you don't have to do it for an hour. You could just do five or 10 or 15 minutes and it is best done before you look at your phone, before you get into anything, because that will pull you out of that in-between state. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then, you know, some people would prefer to do it before they fall asleep. Some people would prefer to do it in the middle of the day when they need a break from all of the stress and chaos that's going on in the day. And it depends on the person. Yeah. Yeah. And there's no, you know, you could do it all three times if you want. So so this is going to be a silly question, but it's actually how I feel. (laughs) I know there are no silly questions. I'm a teacher. I say there are no wrong questions, no no wrong answers, no questions. But um, how, what should I be thinking about when I meditate? So, you know, I think I don't, am I doing it right? I know that's, we're trying to move away from that, but what should we be doing during a meditation session? Yeah. Well, that's why I like the guided ones because it gives your mind something to focus on. But one of the questions I get asked or one of the the statements people make to me a lot of times is I'm not good at meditation because I can't clear the thoughts in my head. Well, really no one can do that unless maybe you're, you've been a monk for 35 years and you know, you spend your entire day meditating, but that's a normal part of meditation is recognizing the thoughts that are going through your head, kind of seeing them and going, all right, I see you. And then bringing yourself back to your breathing or back to the sound of the meditation teacher's voice. And if you have to do that 10 times a minute, then that's what you do. And as you practice, that's why meditation is called a practice, you get better at it. And so maybe you only have to do it four times a minute and then, you know, once a minute, but we all have that. So it doesn't make you bad at meditation. It makes you human. (laughs) Quieting what I call puppy mind. (laughs) But that's good to know. And and I I think I'm going to make use of the guided meditations to help me because sometimes I'm wondering what should I be thinking about next and I don't want to get stuck. So I think that's great advice. And 
Thank you for sharing that tool as well. Um, insider, insider timer. Insight, insight timer. Yeah. You'll see it's like a little, the picture image is a little, uh, Tibetan bowl. Oh, okay. Okay. So I'm going to definitely check that out. And so meditation is related to connection. The second of your three pillars or the second item on your for success. So what about the other two gratitude and courage? Yeah. Gratitude. I love talking about gratitude. Because it's, it's the highest vibration, energetic vibration you can get to is gratitude. So when you can put yourself in a state of gratitude, you're, you're, you know, we're all made of energy, everything, humans, everything in the universe is energy. And so when you can get yourself into a higher energetic vibration, you are, you're attracting better things to you, things that bring you joy, for example. Like you can't be in a state of gratitude and also be criticizing or complaining. You can't be in a state of gratitude. You can see, I don't, I've heard the term you can't be, you can't have two different emotions at the same time. And I don't necessarily believe that because you could be feeling sad and be in gratitude. Hmm. You know, I'm thinking of like, you know, if someone passes away, you're sad, but you can also be in gratitude that you had a relationship with that person. Yeah. I feel like that you can have to, but, but gratitude is still going to be that highest level vibration that you can get to. So that's when you start energetically calling in things to yourself. You know, you, you, you want to let's use the term manifest, although sometimes people think that's too woo-woo. So if you don't like the term manifest, we can talk about achieving goals. It's the same thing. I like that term. (laughs) All right, there you go. So yeah, when we are in that state of gratitude, just more good things happen when you're in a state of gratitude. And the more you can be in gratitude, the more good things happen. And you know, it's a, it's a, like a vortex. And yeah. it's the same thing. If you're complaining about everything, you are going to find more things to complain about. This is an interesting point because um, sometimes we get stuck in a place where everything feels so negative mm-hmm. and we talk in a negative way and everything's bad or wrong. And sometimes it's with us or sometimes we're pointing at everything around me is wrong mm-hmm. and gratitude. And so it doesn't mm-hmm. give the room for grass. You have to be intentional about changing that mindset and saying, right. instead of complaining or saying that these 10 things are not working for me, what am I grateful for? Right. And, um, and if I do want to make a change, how do I make it? That's where meditation comes in. Then <laughs> I'm already seeing the connection. <laughs> yes. Yes. Well, I mean, even not meditating and just being in a state of gratitude or finding gratitude for different situations. So I love the, the, what you just shared about being in a negative situation and looking for gratitude in it, because every single situation, no matter how bad it looks at the outset, you can find gratitude in it. I guarantee it. Give me a situation and I will find you the gratitude. Wow. I, I, I'm thinking about some of them right now and I, and I, I can see it like, oh, this 
crappy relationship, but I learned these things out of it or it helped me become this kind of person. Or, you know, I think in the moment, it's hard to have a sense of gratitude or see something you're grateful for when you're in a difficult situation. And I, I, I'm bringing it back to meditation. I think that's where if you give yourself time and then you can step back, you can find those positives. But when you're in the midst of the worst of it, it's hard to see that. It is hard to see that. And it's especially hard to see it if you're not practiced at looking for the gratitude because it is not necessarily a natural ability. Yep. So if you practice it though, you become more, you become better at finding the gratitude, even in the moment. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, I like to tell this story. I don't know, I know that we have all that much time for the whole story, but I was um, years ago driving Okay. So I start, when I started that first business with the gratitude cookies, I wasn't a super grateful person. And my mentor and friend had me do an exercise of reading. Uh, are you familiar with the book, the science of getting rich? No. Okay. The, it was written in like 1930 something. Uh, yeah. 1910, maybe at Wallace D Waddles. You can, I can send you a copy. You could put a, um, a link to the PDF as you give it for free. Um, yeah. So chapter seven in that book is on gratitude. And Paul char- cha- challenged me to read that chapter every day for 30 days, once in the morning and once at night. It's short. It's like four pages. And uh, nothing happened at the end of the 30 days. I like joke around and I'm like, yeah, nothing happened. But a few months later, I was actually was living in South Florida and driving from it was Thanksgiving night, actually, which is funnier because it's Thanksgiving. Like this happened on Thanksgiving, driving home from a friend's house in Miami up to Palm Beach County. And I got almost all the way home and smoke started pouring out of the front of my car. And normally, and I was managed to pull off the highway at the next exit. And there was a gas station that was open right there. And we called roadside assistance and they were coming. And I immediately went to gratitude. Like, thank goodness we were able to get off the highway safely. Thank goodness we're only five miles from home. Thank goodness a tow truck is coming to get us at 1130 at night on Thanksgiving night. Like I immediately went to gratitude because I had this. So the point is you can train yourself to become more grateful if you're not naturally grateful. Mm-hmm. It's funny because if that had happened to me, um, 20 years ago, let's say, yeah. um, I would have been super upset at myself, super upset the whole night. I can't believe this. What am I going to do? And why does stuff like this always happen to me? And, you know, da, 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 da. and now I'm more mature and can find that, can see, wow, look at that. I can actually call a tow truck at this time. I actually made it to a gas station. I actually have the ability to pay for an Uber to get home if I need mm-hmm. to versus when I didn't have those resources when I was younger. And so if you think of it that way, instead of be turning this already difficult thing into this huge explosive situation, you can handle that thing to tackle the challenge and, and move forward, but and not let it become a setback for a night or a week or a month. Yes, exactly. Because that's where I would have gone to had I not gone through that exercise of, right, why is this happening to me? This, the, the victim. Yeah. 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 I think that's a, yeah. And it, and it's hard because I, I, I do that a lot. I, or, and I used to do that a lot more before. Now I've 
kind of learned to be grateful and, and look at so many great things in my life and the circumstances, but it takes, I think that takes work. It takes training. It's like training for a marathon, except mm-hmm. that it's mm-hmm. a lifelong marathon. <laughs> right. Exactly. However, it's so worth it. Mm-hmm. Like how, who wants to feel crappy and, and, you know, in a, in a state of anger and resentment and sadness all the time, that's a horrible place to live. Mm-hmm. I agree. And then And then through meditation, you can make those connections. And then that takes us to your third pillar, which is courage. (laughs) Yeah. The courage to do the thing that you know you need to do, because most people know they're not completely uh, oblivious of the thing they need to do to make their life better than fine. They kind of have an inkling of what it is. They're just afraid to do it. Mm, you know, it. I, for me, what the biggest thing was, I, I needed to leave my marriage and that was super scary. We'd been together for almost 30 years, more of my life together than not, but we both knew it wasn't working for us. And, but neither one of us wanted to be the one to go, yeah, this isn't working. Let's just move on. So Yeah. I mean, I knew I needed to do it. I knew for years and I just sat in everything's fine because he's a great person. He still is. There's nothing, there's no animosity. So how do you, you know, it's like if something was really terrible, it would maybe be a little easier to go to justify in your head why you're going to leave. But it just was, it was just fine, but it wasn't great. And so finding that courage yeah, that's that was a, the progression, gratitude, connection, and using meditation, and then finding the courage to take action. Yes. <laughs> and um, you, you were together with your spouse for 30 years. I, I am in a similar situation. I'm divorced. Um, I was married to a great person, but it wasn't right. And, and I tried different things. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. we did try the counseling. We tried, we just, we tried but it wasn't right. And, and, um, it was very difficult to leave. And, and, and then the experience became very traumatic. It could have been different, but, um, the courage to do it, it took a while. Yeah. Uh, I tried a hundred other things and then taking that leap. And so I, I can relate to that in the marriage piece mm-hmm. this part of conversation mm-hmm. in work too. Um, yes. sometimes I'm going to go back to dumpster fire. <laughs> sometimes we're in, we love our jobs or, um, but it's not the right fit. We're not in the dumpster fire. Yeah. It's just not the right fit. We're not happy. Maybe there is a small dumpster fire, but we, we don't leave because we're, we're not sure what else is out there. What do we do next? I love this. What if I can't find anything else? I, I love doing this. What if I, you know, can't find anything else like this in a better place. And so we, we don't leave. We don't have the courage to leave a lot of times. And I think that that's uh, another example when we go into the corporate world or the professional world, let's say. Yes, that's exactly it. There are plenty of people and I've had guests on my podcast talk about this, of being in a job for 20 years, for example, and knowing that it's not really, it's not still, it's still not a good fit or it's not still a good fit and they want to leave and do something else, but it's a paycheck and they know how to do this job. It's, it's, you know, they could do it in their sleep. But again, their soul is not being fulfilled and our souls are designed to grow. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. And I think, I think um, that's a very complicated, I wonder how it relates to the great resignation that's going on right now too. Um, is it that more people have seen the, a way out to take the courage to get out of the place where they're in the dumpster fire or, or, or what else could be happening? I believe it's the, the time, the past 18 months that we've spent having time, having less distractions and having more time to think about what is it that I really want? What are my values? And maybe this hasn't been a formal process. Like I take my clients through, but what are my values? What is, what am I doing here? Am I living the life that I want to lead really? And thinking about, I don't want to, I want to live without regrets. And so what does that look like? Mm -hmm. And I'm not willing to compromise anymore. So one of the things about uh, going back to my marriage was that my um, spouse actually said to me was, if we were to get back together, we would have to compromise too much of who we are as individuals to make it work. There's a difference between compromising in a relationship, like do you want Thai or Italian for dinner? But compromising who you are is not okay. And so I think that a lot of people now, having had this time to reflect, are looking at I'm not and making the decision that they're not willing to compromise who they are any longer. Mm-hmm. That's a great way of putting it. Um... And then I'm seeing new companies, even my own consulting firm um, was birthed right before the pandemic, but has really grown in the pandemic and trying to create this different culture. Everyone's remote, flexible scheduling. Mm-hmm. And, and what does that look like? And trying to create the right culture to help you have the life work balance that makes sense for you. And that's another thing that's, we define that each of what life work balance looks like depends on the person. There isn't one definition. It's not just working nine to five. That's not what life work balance for a lot of people. They need, they need more flexibility. I need to be able to just do two hours here, three hours there. So I'm noticing uh, a lot of changes in how we think about life and work and coming together. I kind of went into a little tangent there, (laughs) a little rambly. (laughs) Yeah, no, I actually don't use the term work-life balance. I think it's more an integration and a flow. It's, there's a fluidity to it. So, you know, right. Like you said, you know, a couple hours of work and then maybe you take the kids to a doctor's appointment and you come back and you do work and like, it's just all flowing together Yeah. and people are seeing how that, that can be more than ever before. Yeah. I think the pandemic did that for us, the lockdown, and then slowly merging out of that lockdown taught mm-hmm. us that this integration and flow is possible. Mm-hmm. Many mm-hmm. situations. Very interesting. So we've kind of touched on all three pillars. We talked a little bit about the work you do with your individual clients. We sort of touched on the corporate professional side. And I don't know, there's something that we didn't get to touch upon that you feel is very important for this conversation for our listeners who could be anywhere right now. They could be living with a huge dumpster fire or happily meditating and connected, but trying to figure out what's next. Am I ready to take the leap? Or in the middle of that transition between fine and fantastic, or, mm-hmm. you know, our listeners can be any, I, you know, I'm, I've been in all those stages, by the way. 
<laughs> I don't sure. know where I am right now, but I've been through all of them. Um, anything else that you want to add that I haven't asked? Just that this, this whole process is a part of being human and you don't have to do it alone. You're mm-hmm. not alone and you don't have to go through this alone. Like there are options, people who can help. Um, and staying at that place of fine, that's not, you don't have to be resigned to be there. There's so much more waiting for you. Our souls are just so much more. I'm smiling because I think a lot of us stay in a relationship or a job. I know, I know a lot of people in the career world, just do my consulting work and the coaching work who are, are fine or, mm-hmm. mm, or are they're fine or they're choking on the dumpster, the flames from the dumpster yeah. fire in the smoke, but have a difficult job, you know, time transitioning out. And I've, I've been, I've been sure. there many times, relationships work, all kinds of things. And so, um, this, this last point was very important for that reason. Cause I think we stay in the fine I find feels fine. We're not choking in the fires from the dumpster fire, right? In the smoke, but fine isn't fantastic. And so if we're not dying from smoke inhalation, right, right. We might stay there for another 10, 20, 30 years. Yes. And then on your deathbed, look back and go, oh, I wish I had, or I wish, you know, things had been different. I wish I'd done things differently. Like don't wait that long. We don't even know how long we have. So do it now because there is no other time. Just (laughs) there is now and, and you deserve better. Every single person listening to this deserves better than fine. I love that. Thank you so much. Um, Definitely. You're inspiring me. I know we're interviewing at the end of a work week. So it's at, at a time when I'm going through some other personal stuff. So for me, this has been extremely helpful for our listeners, we've mentioned a couple of websites. We mentioned Zen Rabbit, your company, Lori. We've mentioned a couple of tools. All these links are in the description of this episode. So you can go into the episode description, click on the link, or depending on the platform you're using, you might have to copy the link and paste it into a browser, but you'll be able to get access to all these resources in the description. And Lori, you know, thank you so much for uh, taking the time out, wearing a hat that matches my mug today and vice versa. <laughs> my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me, Jacqueline. I mean, this was, this was an incredible, uplifting conversation. I feel that your, your three pillars, your trilogy for success and our conversation is very empowering. It gives us very clear action steps to get to the point of courage to make some transitions in our lives if we need to. Or for some of us, we might be in fantastic already and that's good. We have the courage to look at that and make sure that that's true. And I I feel that we have some tangible things, not just broad ideas that we can take back. And I know I can reflect now and I, I can meditate a little bit better for that connection for the courage for my next steps in life. And so I'm truly grateful that you took the time to join me for this interview and give us this information, this framework, and some of these concrete steps. So thank you, thank you. And to our listeners, thank you for listening to the episode. Check out the resources in the links provided in the description. And um, I'll see you at the next episode of Coffee and an Interview.